to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum, CEO and Strategy Catalyst at Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on strategic facilitation. I'm really happy to have with me today, Sika Singh, MHS PMP. She's the Deputy Director of the Newborn Screening and Genetics Program at the Association of Public Health Laboratories. Sika is a results-oriented public health leader and certified project management professional with extensive knowledge in maternal and child health, molecular technologies, and public health preparedness and response. She's a member of ASEE's DELP Diversity Executive Leadership Program, as well as Association 40's 40 Under 40. She was an honoree in 2019 and was named to the 2014 ASAE Next Gen class. She has a Master of Health Science degree from the Johns Hopkins University and a Bachelor of Science degree from Temple University. She's a member of the Delta Omega Honorary Society in Public Health, the recipient of a Project Management Professional Certificate and the recipient of a Certificate in Expanding Nonprofit Impact from the Harvard University Kennedy School of Government. Sika, we are so happy to have you with us today. We'd like to start all of our interviews in a similar fashion. We know that you're here because you're a rock star. You bring strengths to the table. And so if you're going to identify superpower, what would you say that your superpower is? So I think that that is my superpower, that resilience and that advocacy. And I'm a bulldozer. I get it done. Uh, if you need something to get done, yeah. I'll do it. There's two or three points in there. I want to start just with the clear strength and passion you have around being an advocate. Uh, that is something that inherently takes some confidence to it. I mean, to be able to be able to take a stand, to be able to voice on behalf of others, their needs, uh, whether it's an area of opportunity or an area of resistance that you need to discover how their needs are going to be met. Your own voice as an advocate, is that something you had early on? Is that something that you've seen grow in you? Like, how did, how did that develop? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I've had it since the beginning. Um, the way that I was raised was my parents very much taught us that that we can do anything and that we can be anything. And it's, I don't want to say it's abnormal, but to understand who I am, you have to understand where I came from. And, and my parents are immigrants to this country. They came here, uh, my dad came here in 1962 with $8 in his pocket. And he he is that the manifestation of the American dream. And it, it could have gone one of many ways. We could have been raised, the, us four kids, thinking that, you know, we came, where we came from is a definition of who we are. And yet, very much it wasn't. I was raised with the, the um, empowerment and the belief that I could do anything. And that, that has manifested in who I am and my desire to be an advocate, certainly for myself and certainly for others. I, I think I have a very strong sense of self that, that comes perhaps from being the youngest of four kids and having to have that. And to what I was exposed to as a kid, I, you know, different perspectives, different points of view, being able to travel with my family, that has lent itself to me being able to lean in to difficult conversations, to be that voice perhaps when it's uncomfortable to talk about things, to have that true north, that moral compass, to very strongly know what my values are. And then that translates into the work that we do. And I think it translates well, of course, into the association world when we're thinking of mission-driven organizations to be able to sort of uphold that 
uh, I think has been very much, I found success in this space very much because of that sense of self and the ability to be an advocate, to have those tough dis uh, discussions and make those maybe unpopular decisions. Two different ways. I guess I'll, I'll start with this one, particularly in the past year when so much uh, of the world has had to be operating from a more virtual standpoint. Do you find this as a medium of a place of community and network and platforms to elevate your voice to be something that enables you to advocate on behalf of those or something that's a greater hindrance? Like, is it easier or harder than ever to use your voice as an advocate in this world? That is such a good question. I, well, I think it's both. I think that we, our environment really shapes us and there have been so many things that have been happening over the last year, in the past one year, what's today, March 5th. We're now coming full circle on this really, really challenging, unprecedented year. And in many ways, I think that we're gonna somehow settle back into our old normal, but we're gonna carry things with us that are gonna have changed us forever. And I think having the ability to more meaningfully use technology, to use things like Zoom, to get on Twitter, to send messages out by virtue of other people, our leaders, our politicians, the people in our organizations, nonprofits, doing that more effectively, I think it really helps us to do that. But in a way that face-to-face -face interaction is so important in advocacy because there's something that's lost when you're not speaking to someone, when you're unable to see their body language and the way in which they're responding to or interacting with you. So I think it's a combination of both, but one thing that I think is really powerful is a way that we've harnessed really quickly and that very steep learning curve oftentimes for technology has just plateaued, right? Even my 81 year old dad can get on Zoom meaningfully. That's saying something, yeah. right? You know, as you think about where you started your association journey, how did you find, you know, you referenced how you were raised and how uh, as the youngest of four, you probably had to shout the loudest just to be heard uh, on occasion. Uh, but in your own association journey, where did you first find the association world and wh why was it a good fit? Yeah, so like I said, I came from a, sci a strong scientific laboratory background and at my grad school, we heard a lot about the Association of Public Health Laboratories and the work that they did. And there came a time when I kind of never wanted to pick up a pipette again. And I it sort of accidentally, as many, many, many people in the association world do, fell in to the association world. And, and in a sense, I actively pursued it as well. I wanted to be part of what APHL represented. Um, that was almost uh, a little more than a decade ago. And at that time, the H1N1 pandemic, the novel influenza pandemic was just emerging. So being thrown into that as a junior staff member really helped me sort of realize the impact and the power that an organization can have, um, specifically an association, because you can be this neutral arbiter and convener of academics, of government, of other organizations, of experts, and you really can drive your mission and have an impact in, in the way that other sectors possibly can't, right? Yeah. Ability to convene those experts and have those discussions was just so meaningful. And now here we are somewhat full circle, another global pandemic. and. Um, not only APHL, but every organization, I think, in some way has helped shape 
the industry, where we're going, the evolution of where, where we've been and what yeah. that normal is going to be. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that you first became aware of the organization where you work today when you were a student. Uh, you know, that's a theme we hear so many organizations that are concerned with generational transition and the leadership pipeline, the workforce pipeline are concerned about connecting to students. Anything either in your experience or what you've seen uh, now on the other side, right, about connecting uh, that you think is going to help ensure that there is a next generation that belongs to associations? Yeah, I mean, that's the perennial struggle, isn't it? I yeah. think that we just need to continue back to the word advocacy and talking about what we do and being meaningful agents of, of perpetuating the message of what organizations do. I think at the student level um, and at the younger part of the workforce level, people are touched by the work of associations every day, but they don't know it. I think some of that happens organically, that evolution of understanding of pulling that workforce in. I think organizations like ASAE cultivating an ecosystem where associations support associations, they support the workforce. They do a great job of that. I, I think that continuing on that trajectory and keeping focus on that is definitely something that we're all meaningfully trying to do every day in tandem with doing our day job, serving our members. But it's, it's a critical piece of advancing what we do. Now, knowing that you came from a scientific background and then came into the nonprofit space, as you think about your own career trajectory, have there been those that have mentored you along the way? Like, have, how have you found, what have been the stepping stones of success in the association world? Knowing most of us fall into it anyway, but knowing that you came from it specifically from the scientific world. Mm. I think that my tribe, the people that I surround myself with have been my mentors. I, you know, initially I was really resistant to, to mentorship. I felt that it was forced that the, the notion of coaching and mentoring, I having those conversations and sitting down and saying, where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to do? I That didn't resonate with me. That was challenging for me because I felt that I'm on this sort of continuum of learning and figuring out where I want to go. Never, never did I really have this low this this dream that I want to be the CEO or I would like to be the COO or this is the position that I want. It's just been this constant learning and getting to where I am. Yeah. By happenstance, being more than just a sum of the different experiences that I've had. So with mentorship, I think along the way, I found people who are like-minded, who are also driven by their respective missions. And it, it, it doesn't have to be in the realm of public health or public health laboratory. There's associations that do everything but it when it happened it was this sort of slow slow burn this realization that these are the people that i rely on that i learn from every day and then when you start going on uh, you know facebook groups and you start texting people and emailing people you realize that these are my mentors but it's very for me it's been very much about peer learning and peer leadership and um you know figuring out where we're going that way so I have to ask the question you just set up, which is, right, That's that's been the journey to this moment, but uh, you're talking about intentionality. What do you see for your journey ahead? Where do you, where do you see continuing to want to learn and grow? Um, I see myself in this space for a long time, if not forever. Uh, I don't know what that end goal looks like. I 
definitely want to continue to serve people, to advance health equity, to advance public health, to serve the most vulnerable. And I think the most meaningful and compelling space to do that is in the association world. For the reasons that we discussed, you're not really limited by, you know, in government, you're limited by your constituents, perhaps by the administration. In the association world, we're not limited by shareholders or, um, you know, the bottom line and, and the profit. I think that we are very meaningfully able to cheer one another on. My success is not hindered by your success. Right. Um, so I think I want to continue to grow in this space um, and just see where it takes me. But if you ask me where I'm going to be 10 years from now or five years from now, my answer is going to be celebrating the five-year anniversary of you asking me this question. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm really happy where I am and I'm excited to go where we're going and, you know, duck and weave as we get there. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you said early on, because uh, I love the image of it, uh, that you are a bulldozer. Yeah. So, so tell me more about that. Uh, certainly, you know, rock stars are those that can make things happen, whether for a cause, for an organization, for people, for colleagues. When does a when does Bulldozer Sika uh, come to the fore in terms of the strength of voice, strength of conviction, right? Is that all the time, something bring it out? Where, where is that embodied? No, it's all day, every day. If you, if you talk to my colleagues and my friends and my family, I think that is definitely who I am. And, and sometimes to a detriment, I become so operational and, and uh, you know, total vision sometimes, but I, I don't think that that's a detriment. I think that that is really embodies who I am. And, you know, in the association space, if you think of our survival imperative, yes, we're not driven by the bottom line, but certainly, well, bringing in money and having money and diversifying your funding streams is, is an absolute survival imperative. And I think about something like that in, in this space that I'm in and, and the position that I've grown into and applying for grants and, and bringing in money and finding ways in which we can be more sustainable in our approach where, you know, we're perhaps at a point where we can't rely as an organization on, on the revenue from a meeting or on member dues. So thinking about ways in which to maintain our core mission, not deviate from that, right. but to, to, like I said, diversify funding, grant writing, in that sense, I've very much been a bulldozer. My boss will present me or my CEO will present us with an opportunity to pursue something and to have that vision to do it, to own it, do it, get it done. Yeah. Servants repeat. I think that that it's powerful. It works. Um, and it's something that, like I said, I lean into that. Right. People might say, oh, you, you can't see the forest for the trees. And, and perhaps sometimes they can't. Sometimes they do. I try to. Um, but yeah, I think that bulldozing mentality has really yeah. served me well, has served many in the association space well. Well, clearly, I mean, the strength of your focus, you know, you, we find uh, rock stars all over the place and you're someone that multiple people said should be on here. And so the forest through the trees is enough that colleagues recognize it. You know, for those that are aspiring rock stars, right, those that are either early in the career or are later in the career, but looking for a greater success. Just from what you see on the horizon for what the nonprofit and specifically association world needs for tomorrow, someone was going to say, where should I be focusing? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say find your true north. 
know who you are, be your authentic self. Um, and we're all learning and it's okay to learn, be comfortable evolving. Um, there are perspectives and points of views that I held a decade ago when I entered the association industry that I don't know who that person was. I've evolved, I've changed, and yet I've been hyper-focused on my values and not being bullied or worried or scared to, to be my true self. Um, and I think that's really hard sometimes. I think particularly when, when perhaps you are underrepresented in a room, you know, we have more boards now where people are under 40. We, we have more representation. And if that's not what you're used to seeing, I think it's very important to be able to, to know your value, to know your worth, to be your own advocate. So my advice to all those rock stars out there would be keep your eye on, on your true north, on that moral compass. That's what's gonna drive you, particularly in this mission-driven world. You don't have to be distracted by the noise. We can really hone in and focus in on what matters to us and how we can translate that into the work that we do and into the members that we serve every day. I can see why you're such a strong advocate. So we're, uh, time goes by quickly. Just one more question. Uh, as you think at whatever point in the future uh, you decide to venture into a new space, what's the legacy you hope to leave behind in the association world? Yeah, so, well, I hate that question so much. I you're welcome. about you, but um, that question makes me a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, I think I look at the word legacy as an endpoint and yeah. um, I don't want to sound like I'm on The Bachelor, but it's it's very much a journey for me, yeah. right? It's life is a, it's not a destination, it's a journey. And I think my legacy, I want it to be that, A, I want people to know that I was a voice. I, I was an advocate. I was an ally for them. But I, I think about my village, the people I surround myself with, the sights, the smells of that village, the people, the, the diversity within it. I, I want that to be my legacy. I want people to think of me as somebody who, who went to bat for them, yeah. who, who helped them, who helped model behaviors that, that would want them to have me in their village, right? I, I very much want to be a part of the happiness and the joys and the sadness of the people around me. I want to be that core structure, part of that core structure of, of the people I surround myself with and the people who surround themselves with me. I think that's critically important. And it sounds trite to say that the rest will follow, but I believe that it very much will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will, uh, I will say I love the journey and we'll see where the destination is. It's a pleasure to have been one stop in it, on it along the way and really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, I, you know, one more thing about legacy, Lowell, that I have to say. Please. First of all, I appreciate this opportunity and I have so much gratitude and I'm humbled by this opportunity. I do want to say that um, when I talk about my village, yeah. it's important to call those people out. Um, my CEO, Scott Becker, my director, Jalili Ojodu, who has really empowered me to literally do it all. And I was talking about my tribe and my village, those people, some of them, I want to call out a few of them, Brian and Pierre, Tashia, John, BJ, Shamari, Darlene, and Juan. Um, without them, I wouldn't understand the association space. And that, that is what's most meaningful to me. 
I'm really grateful you took a moment to do that. Uh, there's not enough recognition and accolade in the world that any one person we talk to is only there because of all the people with them, behind them, holding them up. And so uh, I, I will give a second hand as a other, other screen here, thank you to them as well, because clearly the work you're doing is incredibly important. The passion you bring to it is amazingly rich. And uh, if they are part of that journey, we're grateful to them as well. Absolutely. Okay. I wanna thank you for coming today. Uh, thank you to Sika for joining us. Thank you to Amy for all that she brings to the rock stars. And until next time, Association Rock On.